Spiritual things are not done by human energy. It's not because you are naturally intelligent that you will understand the Bible. You are going to get more confused than any other thing. You want to use natural intelligence to understand the scriptures. There has to be revelation. A high-placed man in government looked at the Bible, a portion of the book of Isaiah, and Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I? Except somebody explains it to me. You can't just read the Bible and then you just understand it like that. You, have, you need the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. You need the Holy Spirit to give you inspiration. Many times people look at the scriptures and the Bible says they twist it to their own destruction. Paul wrote, Paul, when Peter saw the letters, he said some things are hard to be understood. You know, they just take a Bible and you read it. Anybody can read like that. Say, you, 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 you're talking, you have not read the Bible. If you've read it... <laughs> Peter said concerning this book of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians that you are talking about, when Peter heard of the letter, he read them, he said some things inside are hard to be understood, that the unlearned, the rest, all right, in those letters to their own destruction. Don't just apprentice, I would say, once you just never, you already heard her. People read the scriptures, they saw Jesus, they crucified him. Yeah, this, if they, <laughs> they, they didn't understand what they were reading. That's what I'm making. So for you to understand the scripture, when in our school of Bible exegesis, you must have spiritual help. See, me standing here, I'm not human help. What do I mean? God said, Banky, if you say the one I did not send you to say, problem. So for me to come and teach, I have to pray and say, God, make sure that I utter your words alone. But more importantly, is the fact that there's a spirit you communicate. It is that spirit we need to tap into, not, to the wisdom, not into the wisdom of man. I hope you're getting my point here. Look, there's a spiritual thing that's going on. That's why it's happened to me many times. I'll be in a church. I'll be in a meeting. The pastor will say, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. As I open it, that is, revelation just fume. I will just understand. And then the man will start teaching. And he'll be explaining what I understood in one second when he said, open your Bibles. What does that tell you? There was a spirit of understanding in the air. And as I sat in his presence, that spirit jumped into me even before he began to talk. That spirit, things were already getting clear. Maybe because I, uh, some scriptures are available to use in my heart because I've read them before. That is, and I said, oh, so this is what this man wants to preach. It takes him 30 minutes to get there. In the first few seconds, I already understood it. I did not know he was trying to teach that. Too. He just said, open to Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 1. And reading that, I said, wow, this is on the, my God, look at this word. Then the man starts explaining that very thing. And I did not know it until I got there. If I didn't come for that meeting that day, I would not have known it. It's because I sat there, and that spirit that he brought. Yeah, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yes, sir. I just happened to be privileged to have eh, grabbed it rapidly. It happened to me many times. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, Listen, we're dealing with spiritual understanding, not human wisdom. That is why we always declare God's word before we start to study. Let's rise to our feet and declare the word of God. The Lord is good. Oh, if you are ready, say amen. Amen. All right, let's declare God's word today, all right, as we start. One, to go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. 
and is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. amen. I said amen. amen. As the word is coming forth, you will not recognize yourself again after a while. Amen. Because it's going to make you exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In your temperament, you become like Jesus. Amen. In your generosity, you become like Jesus. Amen. In your prayer life, you become like Jesus. Amen. In your ability to endure, you become like Jesus Christ. Amen. In your patience, you become like Jesus. Amen. In your love, you will become like Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God you will become the image of that invisible father in the name of Jesus Christ. When people want to know God, they will come and see you. That's not a joke. I mean that when people want to know God, they will come and see you in the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Our school of Bible exegesis. That's what we are doing again today. We'll be looking at the book of Colossians and Ephesians together. Um, uh, like I said, what we are trying to do is understand what? Doctrine. Doctrine. What were the things that Paul was trying to pass across when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians? He wrote the latter one first. And while reading both of them together, we said the Colossian letter was written specifically to address certain issues in the church because the people that time, they were beginning to bring in additional thoughts, additional religions, additional practices, and they wanted to create a new form of religion which they claim is Christianity. But when, it's, when actually that will be removing from Christ. Christianity is simple. It has its own unique simplicity. I read a book many years ago. Funny enough, I can't remember the exact title of the book, but it had to do with, I think it's set free to stay free. That's the name of the book. I think so. The man explained something when I was reading it. This was many years ago. He said, if people have not yet confused your Christianity with lawlessness, that you don't understand it yet, that Christianity sometimes appears like lawlessness. It's not lawlessness. It's not. It's not as if anything goes. So people will not take it to the other extreme as if anything goes. That's not what it is. All right? That definitely is wrong. But sometimes it gets confused. I mean, people can confuse the two. That's the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. It can be quite confusing. That some of the things, I told you when I first met my wife, after we got to know each other a bit and we used to talk, she said, you are the strangest Christian, especially preacher that I've ever met. Some things I said, some things I believe, some things I practice, you'll be wondering. That, are you sure this man knows what he's doing? There's a simplicity in Christ Jesus which can be quite confusing if we don't understand it. And the reason is because we are brought up with a lot of religious attitudes, all right, religious um, behaviors, and that when we step into Christ, it, it can be quite confusing. And actually, it confused the nation of Israel. And I'm going to talk about that today. I wanted to get there last time, but we did not. It confused the nation of Israel. The Jews that followed Jesus, okay, even Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, all of them, they were confused by it at a time. That was why God had to raise Paul up and give him a special commission and special training. You'll be amazed that, you know, Paul was one person that he never saw Jesus face to face while Jesus was alive. He heard his story. He knew there was a person, but he never met him. The first encounter we had with these Jesus people was after Jesus had died, had been crucified, had risen up from the dead, and the Holy Spirit had come, and he was seeing people trying to propagate a gospel, a, a, a teaching, let me use that word, that he didn't understand. Let me tell you one of the things that, that, me, that it meant. 
it meant that the temple was no longer a useful building. The Jews, the, the early Christians used to go to the, church, to the temple for two reasons. One, that was where they had a hall to meet. And two, they were still Jews. In their mind, they had not been fully liberated. Paul came to teach that this temple is just brick, stone, whatever it is. It was a new thought. I now told them that the Gentiles can come in. Uh-uh. This boy has no respect. And if, let me just tell you another thing. Before you start going after people's livelihood, be careful. <laughs> they are ready to fight. Even in medical things, new medical discoveries will come up. They will say this practice is unnecessary. People will be fighting it. And you look at it and say, why are they fighting this thing? Why a man was trained, and maybe he's make, made half of his money. Let me give you a practical example. Recently, there's this thing they tell everybody that once you hit the age of like 50, as a man, not a woman, you, you start doing your prostate-specific antigen tests on an annual basis. If the level is high, you go and meet the doctor that specializes in that area, because he's the one that ordered the tests. You will now go and do a scan of your prostate and take biopsies to find whether there's cancer, because we believe that in cancer, the earlier you catch it, the better you can treat it. That's just a theory. So this practice began in the 70s and the 80s. Now became entrenched. A few years ago, they said, sorry, that that test is pure gamble. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. You know, people are fighting it now. They're fighting it. The, people, the man who invented the test... So it has been a waste of time. Because they gathered data over a long period and said its ability, with all the tests that follow it, to predict whether you have you at risk for dying from cancer of the prostate is not better than if you just guessed. Men are fighting. Why? Because for some that's been going on since the 80s, they have been specially strained. They make 90% of their money from following that path. You are telling them that their practice is no longer necessary. Of course they will fight. There is this desire for self-preservation that's in every living creature. Why am I telling this story? Peter now came one day and said, uh, Paul now came, that this temple in God is no longer necessary. You think it's just temple. What about the high priest? Privileged men in society. Priests that have been trained. They've done nothing but priesthood. Specialized in how to kill an animal in five seconds. <laughs> Specialist blood sprinklers. Some men have invented things for sprinkling blood to make hyssop more efficient. How to preserve your hyssop so that you won't have to harvest it every... Ah! A whole industry is built around that temple. One man will just wake up one day and say he had a revelation that it's no longer necessary. If you were you, you, if you were him, wouldn't you kill him? Think about it, if now us, we go get a couple. Say this boy won't commode food for a whole priesthood mouth. When he went to Ephesus, Paul, oh, that was his problem. He preached the gospel. People stopped buying the idols made by silversmiths. Ah, the guy stood around and said, kill that man. It wasn't whether it's true or false. It is that the trade of dealing in images, men built a whole life around it. 
they've been passing it down from family, from generation to generation in family, how to make the image called Artemis of Ephesus. Then one man came and gave everybody new light. They gave their lives to Christ. And now we don't need the image again. Many people do. It's some dumb doctrines we believe eh, that we preach. That's why we are under fire. This man is removing the blood supply to church system. True or false is besides the point. One man, I, I, when he read my book, um, so who will pay for this? He said, okay, now I understand. And now I agree. He said, initially, when I read it, now I didn't agree before. I told my wife, he's a pastor. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. He has to be a pastor. When you see liberating truth, you can't agree. Then when I said, Christians must learn to give to ministry. And I said, now I agree with you. I said, yeah, pastor. He has to be a pastor. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. That was the problem. God had to raise Paul up. And Paul, that was why the Jews went after him. He removed what they believed for thousands of years. That they were special people. Paul made it clear to them, you are not special people. He said, you are no longer the true circumcision. Go and read Philippians chapter 2, chapter 3. He said, you are not the true circumcision. He said, we are the true circumcision. Who worship in the spirit. And he was writing to Gentiles. I don't know whether you get the point. When I say Christians, this is a preacher of this gospel, I laugh. Paul wrote it clearly. If you want to see true Israel, look at the Christians around you. That the one you go to Jerusalem to go and see, they are not the true Israel. If you were a Jew, you would kill him too. <laughs> that was why they were stoning him everywhere. That was why they were stoning the man everywhere. Because he preached a new doctrine. Ah, this thing was totally different. Explain to them that who, who's the high priest? He said, that man, that concept of the high priest, is an imposter. What do you mean? He said, the high priest is in heaven. His name is Jesus. <laughs> he said, okay, who are the priests? He said, anybody that believes is a priest of God. So you see one Gentile. Gentile. In fact, some of them Moabites. You know, Moabites were under a special curse in Israel. God will tell you their descendants up to the 10th generation cannot come to the temple. Paul will now point to a Moabite and say, that guy is a priest of God. <laughs> the established Israel said, hang him. I hope you are getting my point here. That was the problem, that was the problem Paul had. You know, see, I, well, now I see Christians trying to resurrect some of these things. Now, if you want to be blessed, bless a Jew, it's a lie. Paul said it categorically. He said, do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. If you want to be blessed, give to a Christian. Are you getting my point here? Listen, that's what we are, that's what, that was what Paul wrote. And that was why he had problems. The man made it clear, say, in Christ, everybody is one. The high priest outside Christ is a lost man. <laughs> Listen, no. That was why prop- now you understand the problem of Paul. Hey, look, all this one of there is a reason. When you are teaching the truth and you are you are threatening established practices, the livelihood of man, you will have problems. It's not whether you are lying or not, or whether you are telling the truth. The issue is that this man. You want to remove everything that, we, that has been established forever. And that was what Paul came to do. The Lord is good. So that's what we are looking at. The doctrines that Paul explained. I said all of that to let you know that there is simplicity in Christ. So the organized religion built around the things before Christ. 
they reacted when that simplicity came in. And today is like that also. Sometimes you print the simplicity of Christ, people can't, they can't understand it. They still don't believe that. Ah, when you tell somebody that the man who's hungry and the man who has eaten, when they pray, the same effect. I attend that to a 60-year-old man who has been fasting since he was 22. I attend him for 38 years, sir. You've been praying wrongly. Even if he knows you're anointed, don't tell me my life has been a mystic. That, that is the problem. That's the problem. Look, listen, that's the problem with a lot of truths that we preach. You find people that, as a young girl, she was a fine girl, used to dress very well. They gave, gave her life to Christ. They removed her earrings, her hair extension, removed her makeup, changed her whole life. She looked like that, you know what I'm going to say, for 30 years. You now tell her she's going to the same heaven as all these girls. <laughs> With Brazilian hair. <laughs> ah, she, she won't accept it. She used the money that we were supposed to use for printing tracks, take by makeup. She'll go to the same heaven. No, the woman won't accept. Preach what you want to say from now to tomorrow. She's calculating the last 30 years of my life. Me and this small girl now go to the same heaven. <laughs> have they done for God what I have done? When I was their age, I used to dress very well. I used to use makeup. I gave it all up for the kingdom. And you say they will enter the same kingdom. It's a lie. They will not enter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when an adult is arguing, even a child was adult. When anybody is arguing, you say two plus, say we have two, we have another two, is equal to four. And the man says, no, it is five. Tell the fellow, please, let's be reasonable. This is two. This is another two. Let us mix it together. Let's count it again. Tells you it is one, two. The man says three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> when an adult starts arguing like that, I always say, when an adult tells you two plus two is equal to five, don't argue. Don't argue. Leave the Holy Spirit to convict him later. Do you know why? Because he has hidden one extra that he's not telling you about. So to him, 2 plus 2 is actually 5. Because he's not counting with the 2 and the 2 you are using. He's counted 2 and 2. And something else inside adds everything together and says, sorry, the answer has to be 5. It favors me. It puts my brain together. I'm talking about the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. I, w- I went to my office the other day. After that radio broadcast, that morning program. One of my co-workers in the office said, Chief, I heard you on radio. You said people won't pay for their sins. Let me tell you, they will still pay for their sins. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to talk to him. Then I dropped one. I said, you will pay for your sins. No problem, since Jesus did not die for you. Okay. He kept quiet. I just tapped on the shoulder. I said, no problem, pay for your sins. Jesus did not die for you. And he's a Catholic. He shut his mouth. The joke ended there. <laughs> We're talking about the power of forgiveness in the blood of Christ. He heard it on radio. He said, I heard you on radio. He said, that thing you are saying is not like that. Oh. Your sins, you still pay for them. I just tapped in you. Go ahead. Pay for your own. Now that we are sure, the blood of Jesus does not cover you. Oh, he smiled and kept quiet. Because that one, you know, let me tell you something. Eh? 
Be careful. Listen, there are things you don't say with your mouth. And you don't say, that one, if he says any other thing, if he says any other thing, next day God will start asking for account. He will need a dream. That's why, that's why Elihu said, if there is an intercessor to show a man what is wrong, he will need a dream. Something to come and call him and look, what, did you say something wrong yesterday? So I was just arguing with my chief. He just said, I will pay, and I said, I will not pay. And we say, we pay, we pay for the, that Jesus is not paying. And I said, hey, forget that thing, you still pay. Now I begin pay today. <laughs> say, go back. I'm going to meet him. Say, sir, pray for me. I sinned with my mouth. Now, listen to a message during the week. And I got some information, fact. Just digression. You know the way I am. I always tell people all kinds of things. But once you listen to people longer, you learn a lot of that stuff from scripture. You know, the, I would tell just my wife this morning about it. You know the Persian Empire? You know today's Persia? Which country is that? Iran. Thank you very much. That's Iran. All right? Iran. So, the Persian Empire, the one that um, took over from the Babylon, that's Nebuchadnezzar's son. Uh, uh, Belshazzar. I found out just uh, listening to a message during the week that they were the that Persian Empire was 2,500 years old a few years ago when the last Shah of Iran was reigning. You know the Shah of Iran that the Islamic Revolution knocked out of office. Now had Ayatollah Ayatollah Khomeini taking over from him. Ayatollah Khomeini died. The person, the superior leader now is Ayatollah Khomeini. Okay. I heard that during the week. I said, this life, eh? careful what you say with your mouth. It's not part of our message. I'm just gisting. They said that he celebrated the 2,500th anniversary of the reign of the Persian Empire. That was maybe in the 70s. So he celebrated it. And they said he gave himself a title during the celebration. You know the title? He said, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The man of God heard it and said, watch it, that man is coming down. A few months or a few years later, the Islamic revolution rose and kicked him out of office. He said, he just said from a distance, what? He said that, he said that's the end of him. There are words you don't use. Jesus, they keep quiet too, but you know they tolerate rubbish. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. He was angry. Kick that man out of office, died in exile in the U.S., Say what? Who is king of kings? Who said that? Even if Jesus did not want to do anything, the angels will not agree. <laughs> Michael will say, no, sir. No, sir. I'm sorry. I mean no disrespect, but this guy, <laughs> this guy has to be a hand dude. <laughs> That's why I tell you, just by the way, like I said, it's by the way. I just dropped my mind. There are titles you don't use. Muhammad Ali, I told you, the reason why he became sick and he was sick till he died was that he couldn't stop saying, I'm the greatest. God, look and say, this boy, will you shut up? I'm the greatest. I'm the finest. God said, okay. <clears throat> That's it. He uh, uh, used to take him five minutes to say, I'm the greatest. So he became, I'm the slowest. <laughs> he couldn't move anymore. Why? There are titles you don't use. When you become a pastor of a church, use any title. Anyone you like. Like the Obuntariyu of this church. God said, no problem. That's not my name. Come and say, the man called by God specially. Fine, I have called many people specially. Say, a powerful evangelist. That's okay. Once I using the words that have, end with E-S-T. The most powerful, the greatest, 
the newest, the supreme. God said, boy, be careful yourself. There are names that belong to the Lord. Leave his name for him. That's by the way. Mm-hmm. All these titles, fastest growing church is, is ungodly. Yes, there are names that are very ungodly. All these comparative names. If anybody is it for you, don't agree. Don't agree. Anyway, that's not our message. I digress into that. I'm talking about the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Okay? I just digress into that. that watch what you say, okay? So you're just talking about the, the young man who was arguing with me. Listen, that's the problem. Sometimes that simplicity in Christ, people just can't accept it. They just can't accept it. Let me tell you something again. Do you, you'll be surprised. To change your life, it's just, it can be that. Not, not it can be. It is that simple. People go for, they are alcoholics. They want to be converted from alcoholism. They go for what they call Alcoholics Anonymous Five Steps. That's for people who are not of faith. That struggle is too much for Christianity. I like one story this man told in his book. I can't remember the name of the book now. Ed Louis Cole. He talked about a circumcised marriage. You know, I don't believe in too much marriage counseling. I said too much. Small one is good. Just tell a man, behave yourself. Love your wife. Tell the woman, behave yourself. Honor your husband. That's good enough. Or who said what? To whom? When? Why? How much? Receipt. What happened? Say it again. Did you? Did you not? That's on God. It's getting too far. All those days of counseling is not good. At school, said one day, he wanted to, 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 a couple came to see him, a man and his wife. And they talked and talked that the problem, the marriage is frozen and all of that. time they finished. He said, I'm in a hurry. How long have you been married? Like 15, 20 years. So one thing, I don't have time to hear the story for 20 years of who did what to who. He said, do you want a new marriage? Yes. So yeah, everybody kneel down. Let's pray. <laughs> he led him through a confession. I can't remember it now. By the time they were done, just prayer. By the time they were done, marriage was new. He called it circumcised marriage. A new spirit was poured into the house. Have you ever heard this verse? As a man, a husband and wife, you learn to communicate. <laughs> one day I called one of my friends who was advocating communication. I said, you're a Nokia communicator. <laughs> I said, Nokia communicator. Why? Because this communic- most of the communication is ungodly. Believe me. I'm not joking. I've been married for 17 years. Don't argue with me easily. (laughs) Yes. I've been bragging on this my 17 years for a while. (laughs) Listen, look. There's a simplicity in Christ. Do you know what I found out? Look, Sigmund Freud is not the Lord Jesus Christ. All the psychoanalysis is not the key to marriage success. When people fear God, understand the word of God, marriage will succeed. They will. It will. It will. God, the, 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 the commandments are not too many for husband and wife. They are not many. If we obey those simple ones. Some people want to, they want to do everything that is wrong, but communicate themselves into happiness. Do it, disobey the scripture entirely, but they use communication to be happy. You let to communicate. Say, you know what's in your mind? Don't bury it. There are so many doctrines that are here. I just said, this kind of raise all of this. Say, you shouldn't bury anything. You don't let it go. <laughs> go and read the book of, the book of um, Proverbs. You will find out that God expects you to bury a lot of things. Not everything you talk about. 
Say sometimes your servant is cursing you, do like he did not hear. He said, if you pay every attention to everything your servant says, you will hear him curse you. What does that tell you? If you pay every pay attention to everything your wife says, you will just be quarreling the house all the time. So let, okay, yes, the one you said that. Let's 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 talk about it. Let's not bury it. Take it from me today. Bury it. <laughs> bury it in the right place. Too much talk. The Bible says leads to ungodliness. Some of these methods, people have just read some of these books. That's the problem. When you don't believe in God. People don't know. That's the problem with a lot of those books. You know, go and buy marriage counseling books. Why did I get into that? Simplicity, right? Yes. In Christ, there's a lot of simplicity. If you just say to Christ, Lord, I have not been ordering my husband as I should. Have mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. And the man says to him, I have not been loving my wife the way I should. Have mercy. Make our marriage sweet. Pour in the honey of God into this thing. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. And forget anything after that, before that day, don't discuss it again. So I have forgiven, I forget, 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 forget it. You go and meet an unbelieving marriage therapist to be lying to you. Say, don't bury it. If you bury it, you erupt one day. Say, sir, where I buried that one? Nothing they erupt one day. <laughs> where I buried that one? No. <laughs> the Lord Jesus don't put leg on top. I, when I finished burying, I poured the dose of blood, sealed. Not coming out again. I'm talking about the simplicity in Christ. It's there. The simplicity in Christ. When we discover it, we know that life is actually is sweet the way God created it. And that's what Paul was trying to teach to the people. He's not going to the temple. A man, my wife was telling me about a man who was trying to market something to her. Is it on Sunday? Said that uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Trying to plant thought to Jerusalem. Nigerians only really respect themselves though. With this cost of dollar, you are still going to Jerusalem. That would have been a good excuse to believe in the true gospel. <laughs> Tell somebody that you believe in Jerusalem. My wife said, what are you going to do there? Say, you go and pray. My wife said, pray? <laughs> Say, I know, I, I pray in my house. Jesus is in my bedroom. Say, there have been testimonies. You think I don't have testimony? Come to my house. They say, go and walk where Jesus walked. Anywhere I'm walking, just be following me. Jesus is walking there. For those who don't know, Jesus, God is not in Jerusalem. He's not there. The fact is that he's not there. He's not in Jerusalem any more than he is in Obiago. That's not a joke. As for Jesus, he's in every way. The only person that used to stay in certain places, you know who it is? Satan, thank you. <laughs> Satan is funny. He has a house on the earth. Go and read the book of Revelation. Jesus said you were in a place where Satan had his throne. Then he used to move from there. He will now patrol. But as for our God, he's enthroned in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. He's everywhere at the same time. I can find him in my house, in your house, where we are right now. As soon as you are leaving, he's already in your car waiting. If you want to take a keke, he's sitting at the back. Sometimes he tells his angel, drive my boy home. And you will see a keke. Stop. Where are you going? You give him your, you say, okay, I'm going to so and so, please. And you doze up at the back. By the time he wakes you up, you're in front of your house. You're wondering, how did he know my house? Like, there, there, some kekes have angelic riders. They drive you down. Why? That road that day was dangerous. But you do not know. 
So just, so my Lord said, no, no, my son, let him not go alone, or my girl, let him not go, let her not go alone today. So just send one angel. The angel shows up. Mm-hmm. Ah, where did they go? Talk like one of the house boys. Angel, they're real. I told you, my friend, they changed his tire. In the north, on a lonely road, his tire was down. He just looked and said, gosh, he was tired and worn out. He was driving. So he just looked, two men, just two full men came out from inside the bush and spoke in good English. What's the problem? His tire is down. Ah, no problem, as you sit down. They knew where the jack was. They knew where the spare was. They jacked the car nicely while he was seated. Changed the tire for him. And then he was so grateful. He gave them, he said, Banky, I remember, I had two 20 naira notes. This was long ago. Two Christmas. He gave them one. So they collected it from him. And then by the time he settled himself to let him tell them, with them bye-bye, he looked. He didn't see them again. He said, this is northern Nigeria. There's not so much bush. So it was only where they disappeared to just now. But he didn't think anything of it until he got to the next town and he saw his money on his seat. One of our sisters here, not story, just let me not mention her name without telling her first. She told me one day, I, was, I just been preaching like this. Afterwards, she called me and said, let me tell you my story. One day, that some boys, too, in her village were chasing her. They wanted to rape her. She knew. So she was rushing away, but of course, they were pursuing her. The next thing, a man just appeared. And she, oh, good, let me follow this man, you know, as cover. He said, I started running. He said, no matter how fast I ran, I couldn't catch up with him. But he was not in a hurry. He said, I was walking normally. But the harder I ran, the man was just a few steps ahead of me, trying to catch the man. Village somewhere in Anambra here. Trying to catch up with the man, I couldn't catch up with him. It was evening, around 7 o'clock. He said, I kept on running. No, like, he wanted to get there and hold his hand. Young lady, maybe her late teens. Let me just hold, get there and hold his hand. But like, the man was just a few steps in front of her. Until they got, like, that's, that's it. And he was walking in her direction, where she was going. Then they got to the gate of her house. All right? She managed to sneak in. Turned around, the man was gone. Angel stories, no, they are not stories, they are not jokes. So. <laughs> they, they, look, they, they've given people here a ride home. You don't know. I'm talking about the simplicity in Christ. As I God does also. The Lord is watching over you. Amen. I said, He's watching over you. Amen. You know, the, these angels are funny. They, 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 they become all kinds of things, they blind some people. If these are coming to a house, they, they, they don't want them to see your door. An angel will just stand in front, and the man will see a wall. That's what happens. The, the, the thief will see a wall. He will know there's a door there. You are behind, you are seeing a real door. The thief outside sees a wall and passes on. These are realities, though. I'm not joking. Oh, the Lord is good. Ah, look at our time. What have we been saying? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the simplicity in Christ. Alright? All this is it does for us, not by our own strength, not by our own energy, not by our own determination, but because he wanted to do them, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down. And if we believe in him, in simple terms, we are saved. If we believe in him, we are blessed. 
If you believe in him, give me an amen. amen. So I say to you again, you are blessed. Amen. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Amen. That's it. Paul just said, stand firm in this. Walk like somebody who believes it. That's the problem a lot of times we have as believers. We don't walk like we believe it. If, we have, if you have uh, distress, many times what do we start doing? We start running up and down looking for where blessings are hidden. We panic needlessly. You know, this current so-called recession, I was just thinking about it, say recession, recession. You can, you can react any way you like. You can decide that, no, because of recession, we will not do the things we plan to do. Because of recession, let's run. Because of recession, listen, the first thing you should do when you have things like that is encourage yourself in the Lord. Listen, trials will always come in this life. It will, they will always come. There's no, look, after this recession, there will be another one. That's how, the Bible calls it seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Have you never read your Bible before? As long as the earth remains, cold and heat, it will not cease. There will be times the economy will be cool, really cool. And there will be a time it will be warm. Everything is bubbling. That is the way the Lord said it must be. Paul said, however, you must learn to be independent of circumstances. And the number one way you do that is how you, what you believe. Let me just put it like that. How you, what you believe concerning yourself and what you say about yourself. Don't join the people who are talking every day. You know, country is hard now. I don't know what's going on. Listen, there are things you don't say as believers. Is this the change we voted for? It's nonsense talk. What did I say? Don't say it again. You start complaining as if power belongs to the president. The power doesn't belong to him. It does not belong to the Senate. It does not belong to the governor. The power belongs to whom? God. So the president is not the reason why I will prosper or I will not prosper. No, he's not. Those are the things. Listen, it's when you talk like this and think like this that God cannot do through your hands, through your life, what he planned to do even in the midst of recession. That's the point I'm making. That is when he can do it. If you complain like the unbeliever, complain like the rest of the world, the power that God wants to release into your life will not be released. I like to say all the time, Hagar, in distress, she did not know there was a well. She was there crying. But an angel said, why are you crying? Look, and behold, there was a well. Did the angel dig the well? I don't know. That is at that time. But one thing is sure, there was a well. And all her whining and complaining and grumbling did not allow her to see it. If you wake up every day and you are giving thanks, believe me, not only will you survive the economic times, you will prosper in the times. When the heat time comes, all right, you will prosper even more than before. That's just the way life is. In Christ, we have been blessed. Somebody say amen. Amen. You are as blessed as every American. Yeah, what I mean is that you don't need to think, I need to get to America to get blessed. You're already blessed. If you believe, you say amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's what we are talking about. So we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. All right, so our school of Bible exegesis, we've just been chatting with each other. Let's read a few verses for the time that we have left for today. The book of Colossians chapter um, 1. Last time we finished reading Colossians chapter uh, 23, that's chapter 1 verse 23, we ended it there. And I wanted us to switch, and I think we also moved over to chapter 2, we read from verse 6 and ended in verse um, 19. 
Okay, we're not in 23. Yes, we read it up to 23. Yes, you're right. And, but I don't want to go, we're not going beyond that yet. What I want to do is to just go back and, um, yes, we, we ended last time in Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, the whole of that chapter. But there's another one I wanted us to read, which we did not read because of uh, time. Now, today we are going to read uh, verse, um, like I said, there are certain words I want to explain. That's the issue. Let's just go back, because we don't have all the time, all right? Let's just go back to the ones we have read before. I'll just highlight a few verses that we looked at before, which last time I said I wanted to explain some things in, dif- in, in details. One, I want to talk about the plan of God. I want to talk about the different ages and generations that are past. And I want to explain the fact that he has made all of us one body in Christ Jesus. It's just a continuation of the thing that we said last time. Now let's just quickly open to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Let me just read the particular verse we read before. Go to verse 26 of chapter 1. Now, we have read this again and again, but if, like, remember I said that I'm trying to bring out certain words, certain doctrines for us to just understand. So there are certain important issues we have not yet been able to finish looking at in the previous meetings. From verse 24, Paul said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in feeling what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, he said, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has now been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints. That he said, to whom God wills to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Please, I, we read this before. There's a particular verse I want to pick up from on the, in this particular one. The fact, verse 26, he talked about the mystery which has been, had been hidden from the past ages and generations. The past ages and generations. If you remember, I normally use um, the New Living Translation for our um, study. It said, for, it was kept secret for centuries and generations past. Please note that particular word. That word is very important to what I'm trying to teach. The fact that the word, something was kept secret from generations past. Alright, centuries, past ages. Now, also, I want to read again quickly to the book of Ephesians chapter 2.